Welcome to another edition of Move Through Motivation. It's me again, Matt Olson. Today's episode is going to be a walk down memory of lane of how I found out I had cancer, what it led, what led up to me finding out I had cancer, and the journey it took me on. Later in future episodes, we'll talk about different parts of the journey, but today I just wanted to give a brief overview of, of what it was like. Now, some people have heard the story, some people have heard versions of it, some people have been with me in the journey, and if you have, this is this is a reflection of what I felt in my journey, and if you were a part of it, you helped me get through my struggle. So my deepest part of my soul, there are a lot of families that I've connected with over time because I first off want to say, when you go through a struggle, you really find out who your friends are. And my journey started on a Wednesday. And the first crew of people that really stepped up and got behind me in my movement was my baseball team because Sherry was traveling that day. It was a Wednesday before Easter and Sherry was traveling back from a work trip and I woke up in the morning. We had our Easter party that day at lunch at my work and I had a lump on my, on my um, right side of my throat. And I thought it was, I looked it up on Dr. Med or Google Med or whatever it is on, on Google, the Googler. And the Google said that I had just swollen lymph nodes, probably a cold or an infection. So I went about my day. But as the day got uh, progressed, my neck got worse. When I reached about six o'clock at night, I went to, I was at my kid's baseball game and I actually left my kids on the field because it was getting hard to swallow. Go to the hospital. Sherry is, is on her way home. And she was mid-flight, and I say, hey, I'm going to the emergency room, and I go to the ER. Get there about 9 o'clock. They check me in at about 11.30, and they admitted me. Uh, it was hard to swallow, couldn't breathe a little bit. I, and they said, we're going to check in and see if we can get rid of this infection. At the time, they thought it was an infection. So Thursday happens, Friday morning is probably the biggest freak out day of my life. Friday, nine o'clock, Sherry came and visited me in the hospital. They stuck a needle in me the day before to try and biopsy what was in my throat. Couldn't get anything. So the ENT basically the next day came in and scheduled a surgery. I didn't know why I was having surgery. And Sherry just brought me a beautiful double smoked bacon egg sandwich from Starbucks. And I had not I hadn't eaten anything in like, I don't know, for the, since the night before. So I was super hungry. And 20 minutes later, after I crushed that sandwich, the nurse walks in and goes, well, hey, we're leaving for surgery. I said, surgery? What are you talking about? Surgery? Surgery? I've never had surgery done in my life. I've never been put under anesthesia. And I literally freaked out. The nurse left. Sherry goes, what is wrong with you? And I just, I don't know, uh, overwhelming 
came over me and I cried really hard more than I cried in a lot of that journey. I really lost it. It's the one time I say I lost it because I don't know why I'm going to surgery. I don't know what's going on. The doc hasn't come to see me and they said they're going to come get me in two hours. So they come back, they get me, they roll me in. I made a deal with my doctor that if he took care of my surgery and brought me out, I would give him any surgical scissor he would want from the catalog of tools I sell. I came out of surgery. The next morning, they removed a lymph node and they did a biopsy on it. The doctor told me we would find out on Tuesday the following week. So Sherry and I had a deal that day on that next following Tuesday. That following Tuesday, the kids had jujitsu that night. Sherry and I said to each other, we said, we will not talk to each other on the phone or call each other to get each other scared until we hear something from the doctor. Now, mind you, I don't know what's wrong with me. We think it's an infection. We don't know what it is. But what's unique about my car is I received the news that I had cancer in this exact vehicle. It's about 4.30 in the afternoon. Doctor calls me and says, hey, I need you and your wife to come in. I need to talk with you. I said, doc, I'm not, I'm, I'm not coming in. I, I have to get to wrestling. I, I, I have to get to jujitsu. We have practice. Just give me the news. What's, what's going on? Not thinking what is going to come out of his mouth next is going to change my life forever. But he goes, no, nah, I really want to come in. I said, doc, I'm not going to come in. I, I Tell me what's wrong. I can take it. He's like, where are you at? I said, I'm driving to go see my wife and kids. And he goes, I said, what do I got? Infection. He goes, no, man, you got cancer. And my stomach dropped. And I said, stop, stop playing. Doc, stop, stop messing around. And the doctor goes, no, really, I'm, I'm serious. You have cancer. We biopsied your lymph node and you have something called Hodgkin's lymphoma. Now I can barely pronounce Hodgkin's lymphoma. But he told me that. My, my, I start to get a little bit, my hands get clammy. I'm driving my truck. I'm heading to the... And I'm like, man, he hasn't told my wife. I got to go tell my wife. I'm tell my kids. It's in that moment. I felt in a bad dream is the easiest way for me to describe it. I, was, I felt like I was in a dream. And if you've ever had those butterflies of going in, into an interview or going in to some meeting that you don't know the results or you know the results, but you got to go and present the results. That's what it was like when I had to walk into jujitsu. Coach John was coaching at the time with the kids. I walk in the door. I see Sherry and I just shook my head. And she broke down. I'll never forget the look on her face. I'll never forget not even having to say anything to her. And I felt like I just broke her into a thousand pieces. And it was worse telling her than me getting the news broke to me. It actually hurt me more having to tell her that because first of all, I'm, I'm 38 years old. You just find out you have cancer. 
You're as healthy as healthy can be. All you woke up was with a lump on your neck. You didn't go for a physical. You didn't, you had a, a rare occasion happen to you at 38 as a healthy human being. And now all of a sudden you have cancer. And it really didn't sink in with me. Sherry broke down. Coach John thought that we were either getting divorced or I was abusing her because she was just crying hysterically outside of the gym. I told her to go home and I would take the boys home. After Sherry left and I watched the kids that day, my, there were, I, I was kind of like in a, in, it seemed what was looking through a different set of lenses in my eyes. It was almost, I was like, well, who's this cancer patient? Who's this guy who looks sick? Who is this person? And I watched the kids practice that day with such presence that day. Because when you hear the word cancer, you don't know what it means. You don't even know. I didn't even know what Hodgkin's lymphoma was. I didn't know anything except that I had been to countless number of charity events, many different runs, different families that we have known who had, but I didn't really know what was going to happen. So I was kind of removed out of body. It's almost like an out of body experience, kind of watching the kids. I dropped the kids off at home. And on the way home, I didn't really talk to the kids much about it. I didn't know if I should, I wasn't going to tell them, but I didn't know if I should really just give them a, a hint that dad is, that dad has cancer. So I, I didn't, I went home, I dropped the boys off and I went to the gym. Backing up a little bit, I made two phone calls to two people, three people, three phone calls before I went and saw Sherry. One was my boss, 22 years. I called him and said, I have to tell Sherry, what do I say? And at the time he was traveling in Europe with his family and it, it kind of broke him down a little bit. And we talked. He said, don't worry. We're in the fight. This is the same guy that I had deployed to war with. And he was there to back me in that time of my life. And, you know, he really, he really was a rock for me. I've encouraged me. The other two phone calls I made were to my buddy, my buddy Dom and Phil. And I called him. I said, hey, guys, this is the news. If something happens in the next year to two years, this is what you got to do. And when I talk about unique and strong relationships, certain phone calls you make to people that are, that are different than a normal, hey, how you doing, friend? How's life going? When you're calling to make those calls, the way that they received the news, the way that they supported me in my talk and me babbling and not really understanding what was going on. 
it made it, it made it more real. It made it more scary, I would say, because you don't know what's happening. You don't know what the journey that's going to take place. You don't know anything, but you know, you got a responsibility. I got my family. I got my wife. I got my two kids. And, and that those three people, when I made those first three calls, they, they really kind of put it in perspective. Like, okay, we got the news. We have your back. What do you want to do next? And, and they were calming. They were, they were, they gave me a sense of stability at the time of what I thought was chaos. And it really made me feel a little bit more secure after I told Sherry or before I told Sherry. But then telling Sherry and going through that experience of driving the boys home, I literally do what, whatever I do in a crisis or stress time management. I went to the gym. And here's how big of a knucklehead I am. I thought in my brain, if I run faster on the treadmill, I'll get rid of it. I ran as hard as I could. I got a call when I was on the treadmill randomly for my buddy Mikey. Told Mikey what was up. He started crying on the phone. I started crying on the phone. I'm on the treadmill. There's people next to me looking at me like I'm a nut. Because I'm literally bawling, talking to Mike, saying, you know, we're going to beat this. It's, it's time to fight. I don't even know what I'm going to fight. I don't even know what I'm going to do. But I worked out so hard for an hour and a half that it literally, I was exhausted. So I had no energy to even really think about what was happening. I really just was broke and tired that I was ready to get through the next day. Or get through the next hour because I got to go home and face my wife again. Come home. And when I get to my house, there's three families at my house. The Lambs, Bischoff Burgers, and the Hazlets. And what I found really special about that, and to this day they know this and I tell them all the time, them showing up Krista Bischoffberger, our friend Krista, she was nine months pregnant. She was going through her, getting ready to have a baby. And she came out and sat with my wife. And those three ladies were like my little sisters. They'll always have a, always have a special place, a unique place in my heart because they were there for Sherry at a time when when I didn't know what I was going to do, they were there for her like a true friend and a true sister. And I'm forever grateful for their time of coming with me. But that night, with all those families there, we, we actually made a determination that we were going to, I wanted to personally log this journey. And it's kind of what has led to what we're doing now, the, the move to motivation. It, I don't know what it was at the time, but I, I felt like I needed to be a person who told people my story, why I was going through it, and take it 
in a different way that I've seen cancer, understood cancer, not being a patient, but understanding from where, I, from what my view of what cancer is and what it could look like of somebody fighting it. And I say that because it was my fight. But I had people around me that encouraged me. And when I say my fight, it was my fight to, to, to win. It was my fight to battle for my family, for my friends. But what I really wanted to do was tell people that if you get bad news, you could look at it in two ways. I could have hid. I could have went through this journey of sadness, strife, alone, or I could, or I could include people and try in my journey, help somebody else who else was going through that journey. And making that decision was hard. More on, I think, my family, because I really didn't include them in saying, hey, I want to do this. They knew I was going to do it, but we would do these things called cancer chit-chats. And that kind of led to what my idea was on the podcast, was that the night before I was going to go to a chemo treatment, the kids and I and Sherry would sit down and chat. And we just talked and it was randomly that we would do this. So I, I would tell people what, what the journey was like when I was going through it, what I found out when I go to the doctor, try to be encouraging, but it uplifted my spirit when I was doing this because people really would send such kind words or reach out to me when I'm doing this through social media. And this is why I love, I personally love social media if used in a positive way to bring encouragement and positivity and bring struggle to the forefront of if you are struggling, there are people in this world who will get behind you and encourage you. And I say all this because when I would do those cancer chit chats with my family, I'll never forget what I was wearing, where I was at, what we were doing and what we were talking about. And those were just Sherry behind a camera and sometimes the boys would get in front and we would just talk about how we were feeling and the nerves we were going to get into and what we were expecting the next day and the night before and, and what our plan was and who was really cool that week or what was the highlight of, of that, that week with maybe somebody reaching out or somebody dropping a letter off or somebody making a blanket for me that was sewed in their family's church or a wreath that was made by um, a, a, a girl's team, um, kids that would wear purple ribbons, where, you know, there was, I had a army of people behind me from the Little League to the kids' school to my church to my dad's church to my work. People literally all around the world would reach out to me, Malaysia, Costa Rica, Mexico, Europe. Relationships that I had created through work and through other 
parts of my life, it really all came and people paid it forward for however I help them. I, I, I don't know how to explain that, but man, when I talk about love, when I talk about true, genuine encouragement from a text I would get, I, you know, God has a unique way of, of putting this. You know, he didn't give me anything I couldn't handle, right? God, God knew what I could handle, but there were days where I doubted myself. There were days where I doubted why am I, why am I putting this out there? Why, why does this hurt? Why do my arms hurt? Why am I tired? Why is this? And I would get in these pity parties and I had to smack myself and say, man, you need to suck it up. But the more I would get down to myself, what was crazy is I would always, that day I would get two, three, four messages or phone calls or, or some kind of outpour or cry of what I call relief messages, a lifeline, encouragement. And when you're in some of the darkest times of your life and you get something as simple as a, hey man, just thinking about you today, I hope you're doing well, our family's praying for you. It doesn't seem like a lot about 25 keystrokes on your phone or an email but it literally could change the way you look at the day during that struggle. I say that because I want you to understand something. And I try to tell people this, when people are going through a struggle in life, whether it's cancer, death of the family, don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid. If you, if you have, if you call that person a friend or a family member, call them. Hey, just thinking about you, man. Can we get together for coffee? Hey, bro. Just, just, even if you, I got a call from a guy I didn't talk to in seven, eight years. And he called me, man. I, I hate to be the guy doing this. I'm calling you. I haven't talked to you in a long time, but I heard. That was a special call. Put your barriers down. Whatever, whatever beef you have with somebody, if you have a beef with somebody in that case, break it down and call and just give some love. Really reach out to somebody and say, I'm here for you. I try to do it now. If I, if I see an Instagram post or I see a message or I get a call and somebody that I've ran across in my life that has gone through struggle, I will do everything in my power. If I don't have their number, if I don't have, I will find a way to get a hold of them and say, hey man, I'm thinking about you. You have a line to me. Meet up, call me. I'm here for you, brother. And in one of the next episodes, we're going to be talking about what I called my cancer bench. It was my... The people that I met through social media, the people I met through other acquaintances who were fighting the fight of cancer when I was fighting. And I'll save that for another time and day to talk about, but there were some special moments and relationships formed in that as well. 
I say all this family to say, on a Tuesday afternoon, I had the most devastating news to me personally that's ever happened. Personally. In that week, I had, a, I had an outpour of love. My boy Clay flew down the next day. Sat down with me and my family, had broke bread with us. Flew in from Oregon. Encouragement is contagious. And love is easy to spread. Hard times are going to hit everybody you know, including yourself. And I really want to focus myself and help others see that if you just reach out, make a phone call, send a text, show up at somebody's house, even if it's unannounced, it makes a difference in somebody's day. Small gestures make struggle seem small when done with love. On this journey of what we're doing right now with Move Through Motivation, I, I tell this to people all the time, like, it's a second passion I have besides exercise. It's something where I am so excited because I was given the unique opportunity of families reaching out to me and doing good things for me that I want to pay it forward. I want to pay it forward in a way that has never been done or seen in what I've seen for other people. I want, I want to show and tell people that with generosity and love and compassion, tiny things make big impacts. So like I said, the moral of today's story is everybody struggles. My cancer journey started on a Tuesday. And it was hard. But the love that was shown to me from my family, from my friends, from the unique relationships that were created because of the disease and what's happening now is a blessing. It's crazy to say that me getting sick is a blessing. I didn't want to go through it. I shouldn't have gone through it, but it happened. And in life, sometimes that's just the way it is. And you got to accept it. You got to face it and put people around you that will help you get through it. I love you. Thank you for continuing to be a part of this journey. Do not forget to subscribe to the channel. As the last thing I got to make sure I say, subscribe to that channel, hit the subscribe button so you get the updates. I thank you guys. I look forward to meeting new people in this journey and helping as many as we can as we face our struggles. God bless. Crush it. Oh.